If I Ran the Bank is a podcast hosted by Clayton Weir, co-founder and head of product and strategy at Fispan, a fintech that is enabling banks to provide contextualized, consumer-like experiences to their business clients. Clayton is a thought leader in financial innovation and hits on the hottest topics in banking, finance, and the future of payments. And he wants to know, if you ran the bank, what's the one thing you'd go all in on? Please tune in to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, here's your host, Clayton Weir. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of If I Ran the Bank. I'm super excited for this week's guest, Wilson D'Souza. Wilson is the CTO of a really interesting group called Akoya. And I'm super excited to have him on the day, uh, on the show today. Very rare that we've had, you know, actually, you know, the voice of sort of, you know, technologists and, and kind of the, the literal architects of the future of financial services on the show. So we're going to take a slightly different tack. This conversation, I think, is going to end up being a really interesting, you know, expansion on the one we had with you know, Ben Isaacson recently around some of what's underway with the transition to market-based kind of open banking and getting beyond sort of the proto-open banking in North America that was enabled by screen scraping. Some of those things, I think, this is going to be an interesting uh, expansion on that with a man who has uh, built this with his own bare hands. Um, Thanks for coming on the show, Wilson. Uh, really, really excited to have you. Thank you, Clayton. Thank you for having me. Uh, thrilled to be uh, having this conversation with you. Did, and so you were a, um, a pre-acquire, I think you obviously, you you came along with the furniture on the spin-out from, from Fidelity, I think, right? You were, <laughs> you were there. But do you want to just walk us through some of, the, some of you know, what you've done in your career and, and, and the kind of problems you've been solving? Yep. Yep. So, so a little bit of background, um, right? So, first of all, you know, I've been I've been with the Koya since the beginning uh, as a CTO, and really encompassing. Um, you know, I call it from a, a whiteboard to a PowerPoint deck to code. Uh, you know, when I started off, we were a few folks uh, just brainstorming around how we would we would solve this for fidelity and uh, and. As we started spending some time, uh, discovered um, you know that we could make this a little bit broader than just fidelity, and I'll I'll walk into that. But a little bit about me, uh, Clayton. Uh, Clayton, uh, essentially, um, I've been with fidelity, uh, you know, before we got spun out, roughly around eleven years uh, in different roles. I was in infrastructure, you know, focusing on employees, uh, you know, on the on their workspace. Uh, and then I transitioned into a role, uh, you know, building some of our next generation investor centers, as well as running all the retail uh, technology uh, across multiple business functions that face off with our consumers, like, you know, in the brokerage side, as well as on the 401k side and on the institutional side from our know, contact center, CRM, you know, advisor desktop and stuff like that. Um and prior to prior to Fidelity, I spent a few years in MIT, uh, really doing different roles or as roles that kind of evolved there, uh, part research, part uh, services, part building some new API capabilities, uh, mostly in the security and authorization and 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 collaboration spaces, uh, really supporting the faculty and the research community there. And then I spent a bunch of years at Merrill Lynch. Uh, in, in various roles, doing different kinds of uh, things. So, you know, from launching or helping launch Merrill Lynch Direct uh, way back then in 99, um, 
uh, which seems like it seems ages, ages ago. Uh, and I've spent some time in the FMCG business, so you know more more details can be found at LinkedIn. But yeah, I've I've done different kinds of roles of zigzag across multiple industries, and looked at problem sets uh, in the technology sphere. And really, it, uh, the general thread has been extremely customer focused uh, in all these journeys uh, for me. That has always attracted me to solve real customer problems. Uh, Nakoya was a unique opportunity, which was a complex, boring, but <laughs> a problem that was risk, <laughs> built with risk, built with, you know, very little awareness of the kind of, uh, you know, the cyber issues uh, and the financial risk that consumers are exposed to uh, in the world of data sharing. Totally, totally makes sense. And so, so take us back there. I love your, you know, whiteboard to a PowerPoint code analogy. So I, I'm guessing as an outsider, you know, I'd love to hear a little bit of behind the scenes of, you know, what led you to the acquire, you know, the, really the problem statement. But I, I assume you guys had an interesting insight on this because I'm guessing you both were a customer. You were the scraper and the scrapee, so to speak. I imagine you had certain, you know, account opening flows where you were trying to rely on this to bring in client data to create some experience. And then on the other side of it, you guys probably were you know, the data store that was being scraped and it was some other class. So you're probably seeing both sides of what worked and didn't work on this, but I, I'm putting words in your mouth. I'd love to just, you know, go back to day <laughs> one. What was the problem statement? Yeah, the, I think the problem statement was a few years ago, uh, you know, when we were at Fidelity, I think the company realized uh, we started seeing a significant increase in, in web traffic. And, and we realized uh, as we started doing some analysis, a huge amount of that traffic was, Completely robo traffic, uh, you know, driven by scraping. Uh, um, and uh, as, as you're familiar with screenscaping, screenscaping doesn't generally care whether you use a third party app or not. It happens every day or every, every periodic, uh, you know, uh, cycle. So we started looking at what, what are the different kinds of risks that, 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 and, you know, kind of creates for the company and, um, we realized uh, that there is a degree of uh, credential sharing that is happening that really exposes consumers, you know, to various kinds of risk, whether it's around the cyberspace, around the privacy, and in just generally financial risk. Uh, uh, we looked at, you know, we, uh, and as I'm sure you've read, there were like, you know, people, you know, try to use uh, accounts that they've got through some external breach, you know, at some other site. And generally do the math uh, and say uh, Clayton and Wilson probably use the same user ID password at uh, a few other places and then try their luck, uh, you know, logging in with those credentials, you know, sitting behind some third party. Uh, and they may not use that to go and perform fraud, but then they'll take the data from that and have the ability to, you know, go and do some social engineering and do other activities with it. So, so we started. You know, you know, we got along. I think uh, Stuart uh, Rubenstein, who's the CEO of Akoya, he and Anil uh, Mahala, who's one of the you know founding members of FTX, they basically got together with other members of the community in the financial services industry and uh, started pushing this this like this this mantra of putting APIs and putting everything behind APIs, standardizing the API, and really addressing the gap that's been in the industry. You know. Uh, if there were a data APIs 20 years ago, there would be no screenscaping. 
right? Uh, you know, skinscaping was a solution to a gap, uh, to a gap that was in the industry. Clients wanted to use third-party apps. So, so uh, I think that led us to start building our, you know, uh, I'm saying our, I'm no longer at Fidelity. Uh, but that, that, like, when I was at Friday, that, that made, like, the team basically was put together to go and build an, uh, an API. And I, I joined sometime just after that API was announced when, uh, I think Stuart and others and we all got together and realized that if everyone's building APIs, we all have to do the onboarding. And if you take the simple equation of, you know, a thousand financial institutions all build their APIs and then they have to onboard a thousand data recipients, aggregators, fintechs, and other banks, uh, that's a million conversations and million legal contracts and a million assessments. That's like unsustainable. So that's when we pivoted and created this concept of Akoya uh, and built this two-sided marketplace uh, data, you know, data network uh, that would connect basically suppliers of data on one side. Uh, and, we, and we said that's a much more tenable approach for the industry, uh, right? So we would have a thousand connections on one side on the supply and a thousand connections uh, on the recipient side. So we just took those million conversations and turned them into 2,000 conversations, right? Uh, what you're describing makes sense. And I would almost characterize it as, you know, there's obviously a need for an aggregator in this world. And, and historically, the screen speakers had acted as that. But the the insight was that you were almost a, you know, became or have become a captive aggregator, right? To the captive to the supply side, whereas everybody was then bought in on it, it, it had a little bit deeper emotional investment because it was kind of completely under their control or the, you know, the data publishing side had a felt a stronger voice of how it was being built and that their concerns were, were addressed, which would increase the supply side. Yeah, I think, I think there's a need, like we don't think, Akoya. So just, just to give you some kind of idea about what Akoya is, right? So we essentially built a platform to eliminate, uh, use of credentials, a, finan- a bank or a financial service credentials with a third party, right? Uh, the relationship of a consumer is with the third party app, right? Or service, whether it's for lending, whether it's for budgeting, whether it's for payments and with the financial institutions. And we wanted to remove the use of credentials, right? Uh, sharing uh, in that in that flow. The other piece is we, if a consumer wants to give access to their data at a financial institutions to a third party, they should be able to, uh, you know, give explicit, you know, uh, consent and instructions, <laughs> and and also specify what data. It's not unfettered access to all data. <laughs> Right. So, um, and then they should be able to monitor and review and revoke if, if the need is no longer there. And so that's the, that's the business of Akoya. That's what, what we built is kind of a pass through network where we manage the onboarding on both sides and we manage all the assessments and everything else. And then we put the business rules that really allow this data to flow. We don't get in the middle of the consumer authentication. That's done where they should be doing their authentication, but we do manage the authorizations and we man- use that to kind of ensure that that the things can consented and instructed by the consumer is is what Akoya you know enables on, on behest of both the financial institution as well as the uh, the th- uh, the data recipient on the other side. And and to your point, 
we don't do the stuff that some of uh, some aggregators do, right? They qualify data, they add value to that data, they curate that data, they do categorization, uh, they may provide more insights. That's not the business we're in. It strikes me as a, uh, maybe a good way to shine more light on this is like, let's, you know, think of the, the full stack of activities that, that have, have to happen here. So in, in the Aquam model, right, there's, there's obviously the, the publishing side so that the bank or, you know, I'm assuming it's a bank, but, you know, the financial institution in this case obviously has some account data about Wilson, right? And that's, you know, the desirable data in, the, in this scenario. So they're going to have to like build an API ultimately to be able to, like, they're going to need the mechanism to publish that. So you guys don't play in that layer. Like they're still on their hook to, to build that, that service, right? The raw publishing. And, and so where somebody like FDX, who you referenced, come in, comes in is they're, job in this stack is to say, well, let's get everybody to kind of build that with roughly the same, you know, let's use the same dictionary. Let's have sort of the same entities. Let's let's have that be as mutually intelligible as possible. So that's their role. And then on, and also on the publishing side, it's ultimately the banks or the, you know, the publisher, but in this case, the banks, they need to have the ability to Present re, present a login to you and present a, a, an OAuth token, right, to somebody that says, "Yeah, that's Wilson. That's his account. Like he can, you can, you can, you can ping this API." So, and, and then what you guys really do is for so do you aggregate that publishing capability technically? So do you take those ten APIs and make it one API for the financial application developer, or do you just orchestrate the the access. So we do a few things, right? So first of all, we manage the initial, you know, what we call as the consent sign up, right? So the first time a consumer says, uh, assume they go to a app uh, called Paprika and uh, Paprika is a nice budget app. Uh, so they go, I want to add my account uh, at a bank called Mikomo. And I'm creating fictitious banks uh, name and, and fictitious app. And uh, uh, so in this case, because they're both connected to Akoya and, and the value of Akoya here is Paprika needs to connect once and get integrated. They do a single assessment, they do a single contract and the same thing for Mikomo. So the next time another app comes in, uh, sorry, uh, another uh, provider comes in, uh, right? Paprika doesn't have to do anything extra other than make sure that they can subscribe to that. So what we do is at the initial sign-up, we manage that flow more from a routing perspective. So the first time the sign-up comes in, we just route it straight to the uh, to Mikomo, who does who does all the authentication and verification, gets the consent, and then issues us kind of an authorization, which is a very classic, you know, three-legged uh, flow. And then we use that authorization to fetch, you know, the uh, accounts that uh, or the data for the accounts. Uh, that the customer has selected, and then we issue a separate set of tokens, uh, uh, Akoya tokens, right, to Paprika, to then, you know, and use that to uh, basically send the data that is requested. So uh, Paprika cannot take these uh, Akoya tokens and go straight to the source because they mean nothing to the source, right? Uh, and so we manage all those entitlements in the middle on behalf of both sides. Uh, and with respect to your standards, we do align ourselves very well with FTX and what FTX is doing. But the reality of the matter is there are some APIs that were built before there was an FTX, uh, right? 
So we, we want to make sure we support those, but we map it out in a very FDS compatible, you know, access API for, for applications. And that's one of the biggest values because then they don't have to worry about 15 different integrations and they don't have to worry about competition or anything else because we don't compete with them on any front. Totally. So um, the paprika sounds legitimately like a real fintech app. <laughs> uh, you, <laughs> it, it happens to be my favorite spice. So Yeah, <laughs> it's a top-notch spice. Um, the So... So that makes sense, right? So you're coordinating, you know, you're, you know, con- converting whatever these banks are publishing at into one API that kind of looks r- roughly like this agreed upon standard. You're doing all this very safe kind of, you know, t- token, you know, re- redirect thing, and you're getting rid of that. Like, I mean, ultimately, one of the core problems of the old model is somebody's like storing your bank username and password in plain text somewhere, right? So the robot can use it. And so that's gone. But what I think is really interesting about what you're doing from what I hear is ultimately as the consumer in every other dimension of technology, other than this, right? Other than this proto open banking of the screen scraping world, whenever I do these kinds of three-legged token exchanges, right? So I use Gmail or I use Facebook to sign up for this and that app. I can always log into Facebook and see, oh, yeah, I didn't even remember I signed up for that app, right? But you authenticated this two years ago. These are all the data you're sharing to those guys. You authenticated this five years ago. This is all the data you're sharing with those those folks. And I can delete that at any time. And it sounds like for the consumer, ultimately, they're going to have an Acquia login if they do or don't today. And they're going to see, hey, these are all of these multi-partite relationships you've authorized. And... In case you forgot, and if you don't like it anymore, you can kill it, right? Well, no. So we actually don't do that. We don't actually okay. build. We don't have anything for consumers directly with Akoya. We and we made a decision not lightly, but uh, decisively. Uh, we we think the relationship of the consumer is with the app that they're using and with the financial institution, and we have no business being in the middle of that. Uh, so so we don't build an aggregated view of where they are. Uh, you know, where they have all the authors. They can go to their financial institution, you know, like in the case of like the, the like some, like I can use some examples where there's account safe or control tower used by different banks and, and security dashboard some for some other financial institution. Uh, that's where they go and see who they've granted access to, when they granted access to, and then they can revoke and monitor or continue with it. Um, the same thing when they go to an app, they can see all the accounts that they have kind of connected into and if they have a stopped using something it'll stop you know it'll say that it can't get any more data and then they can go and do the necessary we made this decision because we don't store any data at all with respect to the consumer right so so uh, you know we 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 don't know who the consumer is uh, you know we use an analogy we're like the US post office you know, we pick up mail from one place and deliver it to the other side with one extra step. We don't even know who we're delivering it to at that remote destination. Right? We don't know the individual uh, at that destination. And, and we make that uh, this is because I think too many, too many folks are playing in the middle with these credentials. And, and, and I, I just don't think like a consumer gave, you know, a Koya the permission to go, go and store this stuff. Right. And, and I, I don't think our, our clients want us to store this stuff. Right. Uh, I, I believe our value is in building this really open finance network. 
uh, that really enables innovation uh, uh, on both sides. Because we, we think people that are supplying data will also come and receive data from other institutions, right? Uh, today, they use third parties for that. No, it totally makes sense. That's a, a very valid point. I, I mean, if you just sum it up, it's for for you as Akoya, as the, the middle people to to add any of that kind of marginal value, you have to, by taking on any marginal data into the middle or anytime you guys index data, you create friction in the whole system, right? You create additional dimensions of friction and risk. No, that totally makes sense. And so you're the more transparent you are, the more friction reduction there is for all the that's right. Is your opinion? Yeah, totally makes sense. But what I want to challenge you on was your assertion that the banks somehow do that today. I and, and I mean my retail banking accounts are in Canada, not the US. I I find that impossible to believe that the banks somehow do that and present that in a useful or visible way to, to users, right? Where you have made these third-party app connections. Yeah, so so that's one of the values actually Akoya is bringing, right? We are building that capability that a, a, financial, a bank or a financial institution can call our API or use our white label page to actually display that capability into their digital properties. That's exactly why uh, Akoya exists. So this way we can help them with this stuff, right? Uh, uh, the banks, the, the banks that, uh, you know, most of the banks in, at least in the US, uh, a lot of them are moving down this path, uh, as well as some financial institutions and not just banks, right? So a lot of them are providing this capability where their customers can actually come and review who they gave access to. I'm not 100% familiar with the Canadian banking uh, system. Uh, but but I, I think that's going to change there as well. And and I think part of our part part of Akoya's, uh, you know, what we're bringing uh, as value to the to our to our clients on both sides is we can help augment some of their you know if they need this capability we can help uh, bring it to market very fast for them, right? So we have a we have a permission API and 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 they can leverage that and and build that digital dashboard of you know like the control tower that Wells Fargo has, right? Uh, uh, or account save that Chase has, right? And build that capability right into their digital uh, uh, properties. I mean, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like my opinion is, I, I think that for some banks, especially for those, like for the trillion dollar banks with the scope of their user install base, like they probably have a material opportunity to be your real trusted like OAuth login for the whole, like for a whole wide range of high trust tasks on the internet, right? The way that Facebook or Gmail would be for low trust tasks. And I, I mean, I just think, I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but I think if you start to play that out into the future, like it's the, the potential is endless. Like these are the trusted, you know, big That's secure right. brands with, with deep core informational object about that user, right? For, High context situations. Yeah, I, I like listen. Uh, I, I absolutely think the way we have built our platform and the architecture supports significant amounts of uh, different kinds of use cases. Uh, we wanted to first focus on the financial data access piece, but the stuff uh, like the, the points you just made are absolutely relevant. I think it's a natural evolution that as as more parties come on both sides of the network for different purposes. They can leverage each other's, you know, rich capabilities that they already have in the network and make that available to others. And and we think we are going to drive more and more use cases, uh, whether it's in the pure financial data uh, perspective, but also in other kinds of uh, financial data that's not necessarily, you know, banking or or, or trading or brokerage. Um, 
We also see this with, you know, in the lending world, right? You can see that play out as well. Uh, I mean, ultimately, uh, yes, we have to understand the data. I, I, you know, I'm saying this with a great degree of humility, having learned uh, very hard lessons about not underestimating the complexity of that goes into products. Um, and, and, uh, you know, we think this architecture can scale up for other kinds of use cases like the ones you mentioned, uh, right? But I do, I do feel like we need to stay focused if, <laughs> initially to get all the data on the network. Because then I think, then I think we can, you know, leverage that availability into other kinds of problems that we can solve that are causing friction in the marketplace. D- totally. And I mean, the other thing I want to put on there, and I think what's important to say around what, you know, where I was postulating is, and it's ultimately at the end of the day too, that this data does belong to consumers and not banks. And so what's fundamentally different about this than the Facebook and the Google examples of them being kind of the OAuth hub or the identity hub for people <laughs> and certain data is they didn't treat that data with a ton of respect, right? Whereas I think in the banking world, it is fundamentally different where it's like they're recognizing that somebody else's data and the business model is moving it safely where you want it as the user under your permission and and making money doing that as opposed to making money using your data, right? And I think that that's a fundamental and important distinction as well. I I do agree. Uh, I think, you know, it's easy for anyone to build an app without any level of control or, or you know, or, or like without any controls or, or risk management uh, or having a regulatory uh, body kind of overseeing. Uh, I think a lot of the financial institutions have a significant, uh, you know, um, oversight role around how they look at customer data, how they treat customer data, how to get customer consent. I, I know like in the past there were, you know, uh, situations where, it wasn't clear whose data it was. I, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think everyone recognizes this is the customer's data. Uh, but I think there is a responsibility that I think all parties uh, also need to, you know, uh, take in terms of how, what they do with the data, uh, right? And I think that's the real missing piece. I, I do think the financial institution, I, and I'm, I'm not saying this uh, because we have investors that represent a lot of the banking uh, world as well as, our old parent company, but just I, I just know from my experience, uh, you know, treating this is in a careful, methodical way has been always the, and I think there's a recognition that this belongs to the consumer, and if the consumer wants to use it for you uh, share that data for a particular use case, I mean, I use the examples of lending decisions, credit decisionings, uh, even simple budgeting, uh, uh, you know. Uh, these things, these things, uh, you know, should be made available. And I think uh, we are beginning to see some new opportunities come out as more and more APIs come into the marketplace. People are beginning to realize, you know, I can partner with a th- with a with an app to provide a level of capability to my customers that I it would take me four years to do. Right? I can partner with someone to do that faster. So I think that's what this uh, that's what we're hoping to accelerate in some sense. No, it t- totally makes sense. Um, and just, I mean, the reason I think banks are going to excel in this world is, I mean, ultimately, I, I think, you know, open banking is maybe best described as everything a bank has ever done before, but with the acknowledgement that it's information stored in the vault and it's not dollar bills anymore, right? And there's the same jobs to be done, keep my data safe, move my data where I want it when I ask, you know, 
in a safe way is no different than keep my deposits safe and move them where I ask in a safe way. It's the exact same service the bank has provided for hundreds of years. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I have a slight tweak on, on, on that, right? Which is, I think part of our job, or if I was a bank, I think banks would, uh, you know, you said, uh, if I ran a bank, was the name of your podcast, um, I would accelerate API adoption using open finance standards. And I'm using the word open finance because I think it's beyond banking, um, right? Uh, there are various kinds of financial services. And I, I really think the more API adoption is done, I think you get higher quality of service, you get higher quality of capabilities, uh, your scale is faster, you can build faster. Uh, I think your time to market to deliver new services becomes faster. And, and, and as long as you remove the legacy con- like capabilities that you had, which really you know, inhibit your ability to execute on some new capabilities. And I, I truly, th- like in talking to a lot of the financial institutions, as well as a lot of uh, uh, you know, re- recipients and, and fintechs, and as well as uh, you know, uh, aggregators, I think there's a, there's a race on to really accelerate this uh, API adoption uh, across the gap. But it has to be done in a responsible way. I, I, I think it has to be done with consent of consumers. Uh, I don't think uh, a third party representing, you know, someone and saying, I'm, I'm here on behalf of the customer. We use this example. You know, if you walked into a, a live bank uh, and said, here are Wilson's credentials, right? Can I like, do a, <laughs> a data check? Uh, you know what will happen to you. Uh, either you'll get, uh, you know, they'll call the police on you or they'll throw you out right, right then and there. Uh, yet that happens in the digital world today, right? And and we think that's broken. Uh, we think the consumer should. So to me, get API adoption done, use open finance standards, and put the consumer in charge. Right? Those are, those are I, I, that's what I would do as a, if I was a, uh, running a bank. <laughs> no, to- totally makes sense. I couldn't agree more with that. And so, just that I think that. It's kind of a logical transition then. So, I mean, you talked about when I was trying to boil the ocean like five minutes ago, you talked about like staying focused because you're trying to drive adoption on both sides of your business with like the core offering, right? With your starting point and all this is happening. Can you walk us through that? I mean, my intuition is because your organization was very connected to the supply side of this, but what are the challenges on building audience and building, you know, activity on both the consumption side and the publishing side of your business? Do you, can you yeah. just, what is that famous line? Uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I can tell you the last uh, 15 months have made us very, very uh, strong. Uh, you know, we are subject to the same level of rigor and assessment uh, that is done for any third party, right? While we may have investors uh, invest in, in one side of the, one, one with one lens, from an assessment perspective, we have to go through the same rigor. So the way we look at it is while we had a better sense of what the supply side looked like, we also had a good sense of what the uh, recipient side looks like. You know, our parent company continues to invest in, you know, new capability. Akoya is an example. There's many other mini incubations that do different things. And they're always, the company was always looking to try new stuff. So, so uh, our focus, what, the things we've learned is uh, that, if we get through the process and do it the right way, for example, most startups at the first year of their incubation do not go after a SOC 2 type 1 and then a type 2 attestation. But we early on recognized that that was a really important thing for us to pursue. 
right? Because of the business we're going to be in, right? Uh, of the service we're going to build, of the network we're going to build. So that's something that I think, you know, I would say uh, helped us. Uh, yeah. And that, that we learned from our parent company, knowing, knowing that how important having some, some of those controls has helped us fast track some of our, uh, you know, integrations. So our focus this year is really getting the supply uh, on, on the network and getting some some data flowing through some you know early partners on the on the recipient side. Our expectation is we'll have about sixty percent of uh, all deposit accounts on the network by the end of this year. You know, a third, roughly a third of all retirement accounts, right? Uh, about a quarter, you know, twenty five percent of all uh, brokerage accounts on the network, right? And and then we'll keep. Uh, building on that, uh, but it's. I mean, Clayton, I also don't want to leave you with the impression that we're not looking at other areas. It's just those are not big areas of focus for us. In parallel, we are incubating what other use cases like the ones you mentioned. Oh yeah, no, I, I wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't wasn't no, no, challenging no. about that. Um, no, it makes makes perfect sense. And so on that, I mean, as you're on your journey. What, like, how do you, like, tell me about the future. Like, like, do you fundamentally think that this, I, I guess in any dimension, but the specific question I'll ask is from a regulatory perspective, right? Do you think that there's, you know, that this sort of market driven approach is, you know, Akoya being one of which to enable a very uniquely American version of open banking? Is that enough? Or do you think there will ultimately be some kind of regular regulatory compulsion on this space? Like, how do you see the future that way? Yeah. So first of all, I'll, I'll put the caveat. I am no expert on uh, what the government will do or any regulation. Uh, I can tell you uh, our mission in life has been to build this utility-like network that should benefit all parties, right? And we call this three sets of parties. The consumers, obviously, the institutions, the financial institutions, and we also think the fintechs and data aggregators all have to benefit from this network. It cannot be where, you know, like one of those three parties is not benefiting. Because only then I think this network becomes kind of a little bit of a utility. Uh, you know, someone recently told us that, you know, we could become like, this could be like a commodity. Well, great. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, right. So that's mission accomplished. Um, right. That, that it becomes so ubiquitous that everyone's using it. Um, and, and so I think that, that for us is, 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 is where we are striving to kind of build towards that we want to build. And because we don't hold data, we think we, we can make the argument that we're not going to compete with any of those parties. Right. That's the big compelling argument we can make, uh, to, to any one of those parties. We're not going to compete on getting getting consumers. We're not going to compete building our own apps uh, to substitute our clients. We're not our, our capabilities, right? We want to be the engine that kind of removes friction, right, around data, right, around access, uh, and 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 that's that's and 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 de-risk the entire. Uh, that's the primary motivation: de-risk the entire financial uh, system, at least from a data you know and credentials perspective. No, I think that makes perfect sense. Um, I just thought I should have thought of this earlier, but to my knowledge, so, you know, your core sort of design principle of not really storing data in the middle, certainly not storing anything important. I don't even know that that's practically true of the, the European open banking model. 
I, I imagine there is a design pattern where that does happen, but almost the vast majority of cases, I think there's a middle party managing credential exchange in a lot of those open banking. Like this is a somewhat of a novel design principle, I think. We, we believe so. Uh, uh, you know, we were built not to, you know, do data aggregation, right? So right at the onset was to solve this. Uh, I got sold on the concept of, Imagine trying to broker the thousand to thousand million conversation into this two-sided marketplace. And that is compelling kind of uh, network to build. And, and I do believe that that is a unique uh, uh, aspect of what Koya brings to the table, uh, given that we don't partake in the data sharing, uh, you know, in terms of storing the data itself. Uh, yeah, even with like from what I've seen with open banking and read with open banking and experience with open banking, which is largely a UK-based standard, right? That's why we try to use the word open finance because uh, people get confused. Like, is it the open banking st- standard? Uh, right. And I'm like, no, no. Brand name. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So for us, it's more like open finance and and, and really like opening up through safe, secure, transparent. That that that's our uh, motivation. But I but but I, I like clear that we feel pretty good about the fact that we are building something that doesn't. Uh, like that truly does something different than others. I'm not saying we're the most unique in the world by no means, but it's a different pattern than others. To steal the Silicon Valley line, sincerely making the world a better place doing so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, uh, a lot of us, uh, it's rare where uh, people, you know, come out of a financial services and, and, and become a standalone startup like fintech uh, of sorts. Uh, and for a lot of us, um, you know, I hate to use the word, but it is true because a lot of our folks uh, truly believe in what we are building and, and, and kind of came over as a result of this, uh, you know. And there is a passion, you know, when you build something with purpose, uh, and 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 then make sure people are rewarded, you know, appropriately for it. it there's a different kind of magic that gets created out of that. And for us, it, it is. I don't know if the world will become the best possible place as a result of Akoya, but I do think we'll play a part in at least making it more secure, more safe, and actually allow more innovation uh, in the marketplace. Um, I use the analogy of, uh, you know. Uh, there are some protocols that were invented 20, 25 years ago that people use today and no one knows who created them, <laughs> right? And our hope is we build something very similar to that, uh, that that we become kind of an architecture that kind of, uh, and a utility that really does that to scale. And we benefit all parties. That's the other important thing. We, we don't want to put anyone out of business. No, I, I think that's a, a, I mean, those are great sentiments to, um, to, to wrap up on, to rest your case, so to speak. <laughs> inside joke. Um, so no, that, uh, that, I think that's, I think that's wonderful um, and, and totally concurrent. I think it's interesting and I think the, these conversations around, you know, secure and permissioned and consumer directed access of, of these things are, are so important. And we're, we're just really in the early days of I think ultimately how these ecosystems are going to look. So I, I appreciate you sharing your thoughts on this. This wasn't, it's been awesome. I, I think the audience will really enjoy this. Um, 
I think thing did a really good job of kind of, you know, uh, laying out the problem set without getting too far in the weeds. So thanks. Thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Clayton. Thanks for having me. And, and, you know, we'll stay connected, obviously. So Awesome. No, looking forward to it. And thanks everyone for, for listening in, giving us your time as always. Um, always appreciate you subscribing wherever you get your podcasts and never hesitate to send us any questions at uh, info at fivespan.com. Um, we'll see you next week. Thanks.